Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Clear to Close podcast. My name is Ryan Bolton, local mortgage expert. And with me, as always, is Carson Jones with Realty One Group Goldmark Team Honey. And today we're going to do a little Q&A, a little question and answer series. We've had some comments coming in through Facebook, through YouTube, and through the Internet. And we just want to go through some of these questions. We found some really good ones and that are really relevant for our time. So let's get right into it, see how many questions we can answer in the time that we have today. So the first one I want to talk about, and a mini, and this one's directed here at Carson, uh, does it cost anything to have a realtor show a home? Like what's mm. provided, what's the cost involved to market the home and put it on the MLS, all that kind of stuff. So kind of break down, is there a cost involved? So to show a house, no. I mean, if you're, uh, the good thing in the, in the state of Utah, if you're a buyer looking to buy a home, it's free to use an agent. So there's really no reason to not go through an agent. A lot of people feel like, oh, well, if I don't use an agent, I can go directly to the seller and get a cheaper price. It actually doesn't really work that way. Usually it just means the seller is going to profit more, and uh, um, I, but they're not going to just drop the price just because you, you're not using a, a buyer's agent. Now, that is a great point. I can't tell you how many times I have buyers that come in and see it for sale by owner or go direct, and they always take like 6%. They have a number yeah. and they just take it right off the top before yeah. they even do their offer on top of whatever they're going to lower the price I'm amazed at how many people have that concern. I mean, if you're out there trying to buy a house and you see it for sale by owner, what's your natural thought? Well, they're not using an agent. I'm going to lower the price. Yeah. It's, it's crazy how often that's just a sentiment that's out there. So you're paying for an agent, whether you use one or not, might as well use one. For sure. So, I mean, (laughs) there's no point really not to, especially because it's, it's free to the buyer, right? It's, Mm -hmm. it's included in the purchase. It's already part of that price that they have listed. So, um, so yeah, if you're buying a home there, you're going to probably run into more and more problems if you don't have a realtor. Something fell off our tables here, but uh, if you don't, because then you're you're dealing with any type of legal issues, any type of, uh, I mean, you got to make sure you're the one doing all the, all the work that goes to the title company. You're just directly in charge of all communications to your lender. So there's a lot of difficulties that are going to happen throughout your transaction that now you're in charge of. So when people talk about, man, real estate buying is, is so stressful, it's going to be really stressful if you have to do it all on your own. Mm. And that's why people hire realtors because um, I read somewhere that being a real estate agent is actually one of the most stressful jobs in the country. Mm. And uh, a lot of that is because there's a lot that actually goes into it behind the scenes. And until you do everything completely on your own, going through the full process for a a full 30 to 50 days, depending on how long your closing is uh, or escrow, then I mean, it, there's a lot that goes into it and it can be stressful. So uh, I would always recommend putting that burden onto a realtor, especially since it doesn't cost anything extra. Yeah. So does it cost anything to do an open house or to do extra flyers? You know, you see the little, little stands they put out front and put flyers in. Does that cost any extra on the listing side? So you got the buyer side doesn't cost anything. Is there any additional costs that get kind of of built in? Uh, it, it depends on the agent, really. So uh, for me, I, I don't. So what I do is when I'm running, say, say I get a listing, and uh, on that listing, I don't get paid until I sell the house. And a lot of people don't realize that if you're hiring me and, okay, we agree to a 5%, 6%, whatever that's going to be, but I don't get a penny until I actually get the job completed. Mm. So part of the way that I get that job completed is by doing open houses by printing out all these flyers and i spent and spend significant amount of amounts of money in marketing now over these past few years like i've said in the past i mean my dog could have gotten their real estate license and gotten some houses sold yeah and it's not going to be that way for a while here it's going to be much more where 
the top marketers are the ones who are actually going to get places sold. And then the top cold callers are the ones who are going to get places listed and just let them sit there. So make sure you understand what you are, well, who you are hiring, because there's a very big difference between the agents who, oh, I've sold 50 houses in the past six months compared to an agent who says, okay, I've sold 15 houses in the past six months because the one who is, uh, is selling all these tons of houses, all they're doing is cold calling. They're just cold calling, getting their house and then throw it on the MLS. See you later. I'll talk to you when we get an offer on your house. Right. And then there's the ones who are actually going into it and marketing their houses like crazy. And those are the ones who over these next few years are going to have a lot more success is the ones who are actively promoting the homes that they have listed. And so, uh, yeah, it does cost money, but it doesn't cost money to the seller. There are some agents who might charge extra to do that type of thing. Um, if that's the case, I would just tell you, don't hire that agent, find an agent who's going to do all that stuff included in their price. Well, I think that's really what I like about your team, team honey there is you, you, you're seeing the market from more than just your perspective. You've got other agents you're working with and other scenarios, other problems, other stuff that's kind of happening. So you have a better feeling of where, where the market's going, where to price it, what things are working with marketing, what aren't. I mean, that's part of the reason why we're doing the show as well. Just get our information, our expertise out there to be able to show that we really enjoy what we do for a living and want to help people as much as we can. But having more of a thumb on it, being more of a professional makes a big difference than just hiring the first person. And a lot of people have their friend or family member that's an agent, but it is something sometimes it's still better to to keep that separate when you're dealing with such a big transaction. And like I said, it's such a stressful deal. You're talking about somebody's house. They're trying to move and buy another house. The first time they bought a house, there's all this paperwork, contracts, title companies, insurances, inspections, all this stuff that you're not supposed to know how it all works. Mm -hmm. That's why you have us to help you work through it. And like you said, a lot of times it can be completely free, which is, yeah. which is just yeah. amazing. You're right. And I mean, what I've seen quite a few different times in, in St. George alone is that uh, buyers and sellers kind of feel like that they're competing just directly against each other when much more it should be the buyer's agent and the seller's agent are the one who are kind of going back and forth doing the negotiating. So uh, there's no reason really for a buyer and a seller to be communicating much at all. It should mm -hmm. be going straight through the realtors. And a lot of the times when the buyers and sellers start communicating, that's when things start to fall apart. Mm. Um, so that's yeah, another said or promised or offered or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's another reason why I would just say, be careful, even if it's a sale by owner, use an agent. Right. And again, 99% of for sale by owners are still actually going to end up paying a realtor fee. Yep. Uh, and that's one thing for sale by owners don't recognize when they go into it is because be, since it's free for a buyer to use a realtor in the state of Utah, great. You post it on for sale by owner, but you're actually get more than likely still going to have a realtor come to you and say, Hey, I've got a buyer for you. Um, we're ready to write an offer, but it's going to also be a 3% buyer's agent fee. And if they say no, say, okay, well go find a different buyer. Good luck with that. And then the next buyer is also with an agent. So, that's so true. They're going to pay through it either because that's an agent going to bring a client that they're going to want that commission for or price reduction. Yeah. You know, and, and it's something where if you're for sale by owner, a lot of times the people will look at it and say, where do they come up with that value? They're always going to kind of go down. They're going to go back and forth. You're going to have a contract put in your face. You don't have anybody help you read through it. You know, you might have some investor guy that's more savvy that puts some contract. I've seen these contracts where they're assigned, where yeah. somebody will go in and say, okay, I'm going to buy or maybe assign it to somebody. They assign it for more and make the difference. You know, they're in a lot of that can even be illegal in a lot of states because you're you're basically becoming an agent without getting licensed, without right. doing all the other things. So you got to be pretty leery. And that that's just one more way to screen it. Also, you screen buyers that really aren't pre-approved. You screen buyers that aren't really ready. 
You know, it just, it gives you that buffer and it's, yeah. I think it's well worth it. I'm always going to use an agent because it's something where I know that the price is right. I, I can deal with my job while they're dealing with the other things involved in the contracts and going through who can go through the house and walkthroughs and all that fun stuff. But yeah. hiring the right agent is huge. I mean, this is still a sales industry. Many people don't realize that. And it's something we're setting expectations, doing those things up front can make a huge difference. So our next question is kind of along those same lines. It's what is provided by a realtor. Mm. And uh, again, I would say my first response to that would be, it depends on the realtor uh, because there's nothing really written in stone other than our normal fiduciary duties of what we have to provide. Mm. So a lot of times you got to figure that out when you're hiring somebody. I mean, does this, some agents are going to provide little to nothing. In fact, I would say most agents provide little to nothing. Mm. And then there's agents who provide, I mean, a world amount of value to you. So uh, again, it's very important that you choose somebody, A, who knows what the heck they're doing, and B, somebody who is a realtor and not just a salesperson. Mm. Because the one who's a salesperson, you won't talk to them again after you sign the contract mm. with them. And and like that kind of goes back to what the, does the real estate agent provide? You've got some agents that go through professional photos and photography and all this kind of stuff. And that's a huge step yeah. to getting your property to stand out, especially as competition starts to maybe increase that those, those little things can really add up and just make sure you're dealing with a professional that is a full-time real estate agent than somebody that's just throwing it on the MLS, which is the multiple listing service in the area. And that's it. And just waiting for other agents to show up. Yeah. There's other ways to get that home in front of other people. And I, I used to always think, okay, you got the house that's just taking photos with like an iPhone or a galaxy or something like that. It's still nice photos, but not staged, not, you know, really professionally done versus the professional. I always thought that was extra. I always thought, Oh, I got to pay way extra to get that. But learning it's more about, like you said, which agent is providing those services much more than agents will charge way more. Now I, I'm sure there's some that do, if they're really elaborate drones and stuff, mm -hmm. they get really crazy. But most of them, I think like you will, um, put that whole package as part of their listing agreement. Yeah, I do. I mean, a, a lot of times what you're going to see is you're going to see agents offering only say a half a percent listing agent commission. Well, you do that. Great. That sounds good, but your house can't be marketed then. Hmm. Uh, you also really can't do any type of extra negotiating after the fact. One of the reasons why uh, I am absolutely not a discount realtor and listing agent is because there's a lot of times in the transaction where we get to the point where we say, okay, this person needs a net 370, but with these offers coming in, they're only going to net 368, right? So what can we do? And then I can, I then have the power to say, Hey, all right, I know we're close on this offer. Neither side is able to give another penny. I'm going to give a thousand bucks. And then the other agent is going to give a thousand bucks and see where we go there because we have the commissions to do that. Now, when you only have a half percent, 1%, okay, are you just going to do the sale for free? Agents aren't going to do the sale for free, mm -hmm. right? So it's uh, it's one of those things where I then use that to your advantage for hiring me for, uh, yes, a little bit more of a premium, but more often than not, some of that actually is going to end up going back into the sale. Sometimes it's getting paid uh, to buyers or uh, to buyers' closing costs, right, on their loan. So there's, there's a lot of different things that you can do to then assist either the buyer or the seller in the sale to make sure the transaction goes much more smoothly. Cool. Okay. What other questions we got? Let's see here. Uh, should I become a loan officer? Oh, yeah. there's one for you. So, I, you know, I get this question. Should it, there's kind of the, uh, I wouldn't say the, the, you know, the, the dark side and the light side or whatever the, you know, the kind of the, which you, you end up kind of picking one or the other. There's very few that I see 
do a dramatic jump or one or the other. Maybe they'll start in mortgage and then jump to real estate agents. I don't see a lot of real estate agents coming over the mortgage side, but not sure why that necessarily is. So maybe we talk about a little bit what it takes. It's not something where you can just say, I want to be a loan officer and walk in and all of a sudden you're doing. There's continuing education that you have to take every year. You have to do a pre-licensing education course. For us, it's 120 hours. I'm not sure. Is it, is it similar to... It was, for real? Yeah, it's 120. Yep. 120. So yep. we, for a long time in my career, I've been doing this since 99. It was just something where, hey, I'm a loan officer. Bam. That's it. The, the mortgage company was more in charge of training or, mm. or, or explaining what they were doing. And as fraud would run rampant, especially in Utah, Utah had some of the worst mortgage fraud in the country because it had no licensing. There was no division at the state of Utah. There was no regulatory body that was in charge of all these loan officers running oh, around. Interesting. Okay. So Utah was in the forefront of creating licensing. And then the SAFE Act kicked in, which was a national licensing system. So now we have the NMLS, the National Mortgage Licensing System, that you have to go through and get approved for the nation. And then each state will add their own hours or their own requirements to it. So there's a lot of the pre-licensing education course you have to take, then additional stuff for the state that you're in. So once you have your license, you then have to kind of park that license with a mortgage company, very right. similar to real estate right. agents. So they Same kind of model, yeah, with a broker. So basically you had to have somebody that was on the ground, boots on the ground within that branch or within that region that was in charge of all the licensees underneath them. In Utah, we call it a principal lending manager or PLM. Okay. You guys call it principal broker. So that person was in charge of handling all the things that went wrong or any issues. And they were supposed to show that they were spending the time training and explaining what was going on with the mortgage world. And then every year now we have to do additional continuing education. It used to be every two. So now they change it to where every year you have to do um, another round of just yeah. continuing education. So that's the first step, which is more stringent, I think, than what real estate agents, you know, it was like agents had a lot more on the front end than we had to kind of catch up. Now I think we have a little bit more to stay licensed. And there's a lot with us, we are contracted with the mortgage company to make a certain amount. So we don't get hmm. paid, whether it's an FHA, VA, conventional adjustable rate mortgage or reverse. We don't get any kind of different compensation depending on the loan program. Like for years, there would be these programs like adjustable rate mortgages. The market really wanted adjustable rate mortgages. So they were just hot you know, and the rates were lower and they were offering all kinds of incentives mm. to sell that particular loan program. Just like any other sales field, they're going to have stuff. Hey, we got to move that pencil. So we're going to wholesale it or we're going to lower price. Or we're going to incentivize our sales force to get rid of that car or get rid of that whatever. Mortgages did a very similar thing. Well, obviously that led to abuse where people weren't directing people to the best loan. They yeah. were just directing the one that made them the most money. Yeah, of course. So now they've come up with basically we are set at what we make regardless of anything but loan amount. It's a percentage of the loan amount. So, so it's like a commission essentially off of the loan amount that yep. you guys are getting. That's it. Okay. That's the only thing we can base our commission on is the loan amount. And, and, and is it very often that uh, lenders are also on any type of salary for the most part, or is it all pretty rare? Pretty I would rare. say there is some area, you know, certain operations people will definitely have a salary. The processing team will have a salary or some sort of base kind of thing. But most of the loan officers that, that I've experienced are commissioned, yeah. 100% commission. I have been since I can remember. That's okay. just how, how it works. Um, now, there may be somebody at the bank, you know, that's sitting at the credit union or bank does have some sort of base, and then they get some sort of bonus after a certain mm -hmm. number of loans or volume or something like that. And so for the new lenders coming on who might be start, starting, you can then negotiate with your with the mm -hmm. company of how much of that commission you're going to be getting off of the sale? Yeah, so it's not as much as that. We're contracted, for instance, 1%. We make 1% for that quarter on every loan that we do. Mm. Now, if we don't charge enough to make up for that 1%, 
then the next quarter they may uh, only pay us three quarters on the next quarter, even though they're still charging one. But vice versa, we can't charge more. So let's say right. we work with a client for six, seven months working with them, we don't make any more. Right. Or if we spend 30 minutes with them, we don't make any more. So the nice thing, it does make it a little more consistent when you do your loan, you know you're making a certain amount. Because like you were saying with commissions, there's times where I gave away loans just to make the deal work. Problems happen. We're up against deadlines. and like, you know what? I want you to get in this house. I'm not going to let commissions hold up any deal. Let's just get it done. Yeah. And other times I was like, man, I've been working on this one forever. You know, it, it, it's just any sales thing. You're going to find clients sometimes that will charge more and yeah. less just as you do. Now it's just bam. It's just the same no matter what. So I think it's de-incentivize maybe people from coming into our industry because there isn't a lot of extra incentives to charge different rates or programs or all it's just here it is here, yeah. here it is here's your loan you know that that kind of thing where with real estate agents i think you do have a little more flexibility in what you're charging what you're doing and the kind of clients you're going after yeah a little bit more negotiating i guess is involved there and yeah um i guess that's that's actually our, our next question is oh. should i become a real estate agent ah so, uh, so one of the differences between being a loan officer and a real estate agent, <laughs> I mean, of course there's similarities, but there's big differences, especially of course, how you get paid. I mean, we've got, um, we've got a lot of realtors, uh, just here in town alone. Uh, and how, do you know a number of loan officers right now? Ooh. Is there a number on that? Or? I bet you there is. I bet you I can find it. Go ahead. Um, but going back to a real estate agent. So should you become a real estate agent right now? We're in October of 2022. And so as of right now, the market is beginning to change significantly. The market's starting to go from a, uh, a heavy seller's market and we're starting to kind of level out a little bit more and, and, uh, kind of heading in the direction of a buyer's market. I don't think we're there yet, but, uh, that's kind of the direction we're heading at the moment with interest rates, ra uh, rising. So I would tell you, become a real estate agent if you're willing to work full-time. Mm. I think over these next couple of years, you're going to see a lot of part-time realtors leave the business. And, uh, I've always had a hope and maybe, uh, if the NAR the is, uh, is watching this video, maybe they'll, they'll do something, but I've always had a hope that they would increase our annual fees, mm. uh, which everybody's like, why would you want your annual fees increased? Well, what, what is it? And that's to be able to access to like the flex yeah, and, and to, to be, uh, I mean, there's the Washington County board of realtors who's kind of in charge of the, uh, um, all, all the realtors in the area and our MLS here in Washington County. But then you also have places like, uh, the, NAR, the National Association of Realtors, the Utah Division of Real Estate, and each of these places have fees. And I would love to see them add in, say, like some health insurance, some some big, big ticket items that make these annual fees, I mean, a few thousand bucks, right? Right now, they're anywhere from a thousand to fourteen hundred dollars, depending on where you're at, uh, where you are. In some places, they could be a little bit higher, but I know that's also part of the reason why it's so there's so many realtors right now. Uh, they're, they're just charging smaller fees so that more and more realtors can get licensed. Mm. And if we had higher fees, I would love to see that. And then all of a sudden it's going to start making more of these realtors who are just selling grandma's home. And that's their only house for the, for the year that they're selling. It will start kind of ph phasing some of them out. So if you're somebody who's willing to put in the time and the work to be a realtor and be a consistent a consistent sales have a consistent sales script going with you then there's no reason why you can't have a lot of success but over these next few years if you're not putting in that time it could be a really difficult few years to be a realtor you know that that brings up a question that i saw that i thought was pretty interesting and that was um 
can a real estate agent represent themselves? Mm. So I see a lot of times where people will renew their license, whether it's with the county or, you know, with the, with the local MLS, which is the multiple listing service uh, here in, in St. George it's called Flex, I believe is the software yeah. program. That, yeah. that So when we say Flex, we mean the Utah multiple listing service for Washington County. I think it's actually different in Salt Lake. I think they use a yeah, different so system. Iron County, Washington County use Flex, and then it's a different, it's a different website for yeah. Utah. So it's something where I, I see a lot of those signs that'll say owner agent, you know, have some sort of slash on the sign. Yeah. And that's like they're only listing, the only one they've done, they were inactive forever. They only activated it for that one reason. Now, maybe it's because it's an investment property and that's all they do is list their own investment properties. Other times, just their own primary home yeah. and they've left their license inactive forever. So I have a couple of questions with that. How long can you be inactive before you lose your license? Do you know? I don't know the exact dates, but you the, there's uh, more often than not, there's there's a certain amount of time that you can be inactive before you might have to go back and take more schooling mm -hmm. in order to get back in. Okay. Um, and then there might be other fees that you're going to have to pay to reactivate it. So uh, actually, October, November, this is when we pay our annual dues. And it's yearly. Year. It's yep. a yearly due. Okay. These are our yearly dues okay. kind of happening right now. So this is when we might start seeing a few agents start dropping mm -hmm. off. Um, but going inactive is one of those things that for me, it just shows like when, when I'm looking for agents to be on the team, when I'm recruiting agents, if I've seen somebody has been inactive two times over the past four years, I'm going to say you're clearly a part-time agent. If this is your full-time job, being inactive is not even on your radar. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, I mean, we're talking, okay. It costs 13, $1,400 the most to be an active realtor. And then you've got, of course, any fees that you're paying to your brokerage, but most of the time the brokerage fees are just when you actually sell a home. Yep. So it's not very expensive to re be a realtor, yet a lot of realtors fail very quickly because they they, they just can't keep up with the sales. So uh, it can be, uh, there can be a lot of expenses, especially once you get into listings. Uh, there should be a lot of expenses. If there's not a lot of expenses, you're not doing much to get it sold. And over these past few years, you've been able to get away with having only, I mean, $300 in expenses for your entire listing. Now, if you keep doing that, you're, they're just not going to sell uh, over these next few years, more than likely. So, so what are the rules when it comes to representing yourself or, or yeah, because you know, obviously it's got to be on the sign. I believe that's part of it. You have to disclose that you're an owner and the agent. Everything but, in real estate is disclosure, right? Okay. And it's all about just disclose, disclose. It's the same thing with lending, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, you have to disclose it. It's an, it's an owner agent. Uh, you don't technically have to put it on the sign. If there is a sign there, you do, but you don't have to even put a sign in the front yard. Mm -hmm. There's no law saying you have to have a sign but um if it's on the mls it has to say owner agent mm. um and even if you're just doing for sale by owner you're still supposed to put license is or uh, owner is a licensed realtor even or for, oh, okay. correct even as a for sale by owner you still have to disclose that you're a licensed realtor as so well. is that where the broker the kind of the boss so to speak or the broker supposed to monitor that if somebody's is i mean selling it, it? there are there are realtors surprisingly enough that they have they're licensed agents, and even those licensed agents will list us for sale by owner. Hmm. And you wonder why do they do that? Well, that's a good question. Why would you do that? Because you're just proving the point that you're trying to get around all the for sale by owners. You're trying to show these these for sale by owners, well, you don't have to, like, you're still going to have to pay a realtor commission. Yet, for some reason, some realtors go out and still try to, uh, hmm. try to do it for sale by owners. So, again, I think there's a lot of realtors... I mean, both here in Washington County and throughout the whole country who are really just doing this because they feel like it's an easy buck. Hmm. And that's been a little bit of the fact over the past few years, but that's changing quickly. Yeah. And I'm actually excited to see. I mean, it sounds bad, but I don't have any problem whatsoever with seeing some agents 
start to lose their licenses and go inactive because it, yeah, I, I still feel like if you're not going to work hard, then why should you even be a part of the industry? You're giving it a bad rep. And that's the same thing in the mortgage industry. Anytime we see these restriction or, you know, the market kind of shrinking, the, the rats leave the ship. Not, not that all these people are bad people. Maybe they got in the wrong time or maybe they just haven't worked their sphere of influence or they haven't done the things it requires to really be go through the valley, so to yeah. speak, because we're definitely going to be hitting more likely a valley. But it does. It screens out the people that are part time that really aren't doing this full time that just either made a quick buck or jumped in. You know, had a couple family members that want to list a house, but I'm amazed how many mortgage companies that garage door just opens up ABC mortgage. We're back in business and then door shuts. Yeah. You know, in fact, there was a company, I think it was first guarantee was been around for many, many years, had their best year ever in the mortgage industry last year. They're out of business mm. by, as of July one. That's crazy to see that much of a turnaround because it was easy pickings. Maybe yeah. they weren't doing right by all the clients. They were just trying to Change do as quick. many loans as they can and not really setting up relationships, being in the community, doing other things to show that they really were experts instead of just pushing paper around yeah. as quickly as they could. Yeah. So it is, it is going to weed out some of the people that are now. I've been around the country and St. George has a pretty good core group of loan officers. Some of the best I've ever worked with are in Southern Utah. They just care. They're about the community. Most of them have moved here. So they kind of choose the community. Mm -hmm. It's not something where, you know, so there's a sense of this is where this is my home because I moved here. I chose to be here instead of just yeah. born or just be you know lucky or unlucky to, to be born in their hometown. Yeah. There's a sense where everybody wants to get out of their hometown, their little small hometown. So when you move to a place, I think sometimes that changes your attitude about a little bit. You're a little more involved in the community. You're doing a little bit more to help out instead of just making a quick buck, like you're saying. So with this slowdown, whatever, however long it's going to be, I think it's going to, like you said, weed out some of the people that just don't take it seriously, that yeah. don't consider it a full-time permanent career. And I think you'll see that with inspectors, home warranty companies, mm -hmm. with title companies, lenders, and real estate agents. I yep. think the whole industry, you're going to see a shift from you're just a little kid playing in the sandbox, and now you're playing with the big, the big kids here. And if you're not going to be able to compete then you'll probably be out. Yeah. Remember that big short movie? I remember the guys were just bragging about all the money they were making and then they were in the unemployment line six yeah. months later. So yeah. that's a tendency. I know there's probably a lot of people that went through that that increase for the first time. I've been through it a couple cycles now yep. with refi booms or whatever. And I just knew from the last one, okay, be smart with the money, smart with your advertising. Don't go out and just buy a bunch of stuff. You know, Make sure you're smart with it because it, it can, like you said, it can turn off pretty quickly and you've got to just go back to work and this is that work section. So and let me ask you this. Yeah. This kind of leads into the next question that I had for you. It, it, do you think that real estate agents, loan officers are going to become obsolete or is it something mm. with technology and with just the change of the you know, the cost and overhead and just the change of this. Do you think it's going to be something where it, there's a lot of talk about that? that that's but, a great question. I, and I like that question. I mean, I, I actually, somebody says, okay, you're a realtor and you're talking about if you guys are going to become obsolete. And I, I like that because you know what, there's a lot of realtors who will absolutely become obsolete, if not already starting to get in that direction. With that said, you're never going to be able to take away human interaction. Right. Mm. And I, uh, We've already got companies like Homey, there's some uh, uh, Redfin, there's some online listing companies, and now all of a sudden you're starting to see them go out of business. So just like you've seen uh, uh, with some of these lenders who have had just all this easy success over the past few years, mm -hmm. now just in the past six months, we've started seeing some of these huge companies start to go bankrupt. And, uh, and they're just laying off all of their employees because now people are starting to realize that in order to get any of this done, you have to have 
marketing skill and customer service skill. Mm. And oh, that customer service thing is huge. Communication, is. customer service. It is. It's, I think it's 80% of the job. I, maybe 90 at this point. I, I do too, because uh, the people right now who are going to have success are the people who did well over the past few years for their clients. Mm. The people who were just the, the agents who were just salespeople and just, they went in their house, they gave them a really good speech, made them sign a contract. Then they said, okay, well, I'm going to go throw this online. I'll call you once it sells. And they did actually really no type of work for them because their assistants did everything. You know, those agents are probably going to start having a lot more difficult time because their clients don't want to work with them again. Mm -hmm. And now you're, you're going to see those agents who did a, a good service for their clients over these past few years. They're the ones who are going to get repeat business, right? And that repeat business, no matter what industry you're in, um, and no matter, uh, what the market is like, repeat business is always, is always top, right? And anytime you can be the king of, of getting the repeat clients, you're always going to have success. And so that's how I've always run my business is that the better customer service I can provide them when times start to get more difficult within the market, I'm okay because I know I've still got all those clients who are going to come back to me for the next 20 houses that them and their family members buy in the rest of their life. Yeah. I think that's, that's something agents I think do a better job than loan officers is really that follow up the follow through, because I think you spend a little more time face to face driving around town, mm -hmm. showing them stuff like that, going to barbecue. I mean, there's so much, a little bit more than that than the loan officer side. I thought we've always been a little bit behind on that customer service or that friendship that almost develops more with agents and their clients than maybe the loan officer and the clients. It becomes, I don't know what that is. Maybe it's just the finance side's a little more complicated or you don't interact with them quite as much because you're dealing with emails more often or phone calls, not necessarily face to face as much as you guys do. But I think it's something that I've learned through my careers, do a better job servicing my database, staying in touch with them, just being in front of them because they're constantly getting bombarded by yeah. mortgage advertisements or the servicer of their own loan. Like, I can't tell you how many times I'll do a loan and get sold a XYZ mortgage company and they market the heck out of my client, obviously. And, and that's fine. That's what they're trying to do is retain that customer. Yeah. So you end up losing them. I've had clients, oh, I can't remember that guy's name. They'll hear a radio ad or, or so, oh, I remember Ryan, you know, so part of my job is making sure I am staying in front of these clients because it can be years, seven, 10 years before they even need me again. Yeah. So it is also making sure I have good referral relationships to kind of keep that going. But when it comes to being obsolete, like you said, I think there's always going to need to be human touch. Yeah. Because when was the last time you asked Siri for something and she gave you something so totally different? When was the last time you opened up a mortgage <laughs> application? I, I've got a mobile app that's great, but I can't tell you how many times people open it, don't finish it because they don't know an answer. They don't know, oh, I don't want to put the wrong thing in the box. I don't want to get denied for the loan because I don't know my address that I was at five years ago. Right. You know, or my job, my exact job. You know, there's stuff that people will get on the application and go, yikes, because it's scary. It's four pages worth of stuff. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't, don't want to just have that interaction with the computer or the app. Now, it's getting closer. The next generations are probably getting more and more comfortable with these automated systems. Yeah. But it is something where I think if you're doing your job right and you're communicating and being real and humanizing the process, there's always going to need to be a human in that process. So I don't think, I don't see it. Now it's changing. It's speeding up. The technology is getting amazing, but I don't think it's ever going to be obsolete where you will want to talk with somebody. And I couldn't agree more. Again, a lot of the technology that's getting developed is by realtors like myself, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and by some of these top end uh, realtors who are actually 
looking ahead to the future and seeing that the game is starting to change here. Um, like with, with what I'm doing right now with, with golf. I mean, I just bought $0 golf.com where I'm letting people play Pebble beach for free. Mm. Uh, I, I have videos on my channel where people can go play some of the top golf courses in the country for $0 by mm. using me as a realtor. Mm. And it's one of those things where I look at it as like, Hey, I'm good at golf. So I'm going to use that towards my business also. And that's the nice thing about real estate is you can use your, what you're good at and what you enjoy to do, you can use that to your advantage to get more clients and make that work. And so, um, I've kind of started doing that with golf because I see, Hey, what's a way, what's another way that I can do this that maybe another agent can't do it because I mean, you'll probably be the first one to say if we had a real estate golf tournament here in town, there's not many agents who are going to be anywhere close to par. Right. No. <laughs> um, and so, so that was I, the thing that I thought moving to St. George, being a loan officer, I thought, man, I'm going to go with agents every week or title people or go play, you know, yeah, have a weekly there's game not as many. It's surprising. I'm really surprised. They play, yeah. but maybe not the level that you, you and I are, are fairly good golfers, especially if you look at the average golfer, yeah. we're definitely yeah. above average. So that can be a little intimidating. I've, I've had a bunch of people say, well, I don't want to play with you. You're way too good. And it's like, no, yeah. that's, that's part of just playing, going, having fun. But well, it is amazing that there isn't yeah, that many that really are elite golfers. <laughs> and and you've done it as well. I mean, find your niche. I mean, yeah. when we say, I mean, should I be a realtor? I mean, find your niche. I mean, for me, golf has always been my thing. Mm. And so I figure why the heck not use that to my advantage for real estate as well. Yep. Hannah Knoxon, who's on our team, she's been in the pageant world for a very long time. She was in Southern Utah, I think a couple different times. Yep. And she very much uses that, um, uh, just that pageant world as ways to get new clients as a, as a realtor. No, I, I think that's that sphere of influence and what you're passionate about and excited about, it ought to be part of what you're doing. So you get up in the morning every single day. If you're, yeah. if it's something where you're just dragging and pushing paper all day long, wishing you were doing something else, well, what you're wishing to do has people that also wish they were doing that. That can be part of your sphere of influence where you can start tapping into it. So I have a little worksheet that I've been working for the last little bit called famous with 50 and it's just being famous with 50 people. Mm. And it's really cool because the, work, the worksheet will say, okay, well, who do you think of when you think of a dentist or all, all these categories? And you say, well, I think of this person. Well, do they think of you as a mortgage officer or a real estate agent? Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. If they're not, then that's something where you can start that conversation with them. And it's really cool. The worksheet will give you different topics to talk about, to find the hobbies of other people, the things they're passionate about, the things they're excited. Maybe they're big readers or golfers or fishers or yeah. hunters or car people or bike people or boat people. I mean, you get in these worlds and you know, like the Jeep commercial, everybody's doing a little peace sign or something. You know, when I'm on my motorcycle, whenever you see another motorcycle on the road, you kind of put your hand down. It's just an indication. Hey, I see you be safe out there. It becomes these little micro clubs that you can tap into and not yeah. as a salesperson, just because, Hey, I'm excited about riding motorcycles and I do loans. If you need a loan, I'd love to help you. And it can really help your sphere of influence. It, 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 you're right. And and with motorcycles, it's it, it's a huge thing. I mean, just look at people who are into cars. Mm. I mean, there's even though it's just little St. George, Utah, there's some pretty big car shows. There's car meetups. It's gotten big last it, few it, years. It yeah. is. And, and <laughs> use that to your advantage, whatever industry you're in. I don't care if you're a plumber, right? If you're a plumber, everybody you know that goes to all these car meetups you should be their plumber as well, yeah. right? And so I I'm think- I'm amazed. Make sure they know what you do for a living without yeah. a sense like, you know, hey, it's more, they want to help you too. Usually when you get in these clubs, they're like, oh, you do yeah. loans. Okay, that's great. You know, and, and what do you do? And then it just becomes one of those things. So and, it's just part of networking. And I'm guilty of this too, uh, especially in the past. And that's what I'm trying to change here with say this podcast and with, uh, with, with my golf videos now is that 
the way a lot of agents market is like, hey, if you if you were looking to buy or sell a home, make sure to give me a call. It's like, oh, okay, cool, thanks. Like, what does that do? What type yeah. of marketing is that? I still feel like it should be requirement that you get a marketing degree if you're going to be mm-hmm. a realtor, but uh, you, you don't have to. And so, I, again, I look at it as like, get creative with how you're going to market because it's going to be a really tough few years if you're not able to get creative. And and this is what I tell Team Honey a lot. I mean, a lot of what I do there at Team Honey is coaching them and kind of sometimes just waking them up and say, hey, I'm sorry, but you're not going to be able to sit around for the next few years and just let the money come in. If you're not working hard mm-hmm. and getting creative with it, then you're probably going to be finding a, a new job here soon. Yeah. Well, I hope you enjoyed our show today. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, please put it in the comments. Please subscribe. And uh, for Carson and myself, we really enjoy what we do for a living. We'd love to earn your business if you're looking to buy real estate in Southern Utah. And uh, hope uh, we'll have our next episode out soon. And uh, thanks for watching. Clear to close. Yeah, we'll, we'll do more of these uh, Q&As yeah. soon. Yep. So let us know in the comments what other questions you have, maybe for the next one coming up. And uh, we've got more topics in the in the queue coming, but we want to do more of these Q&As probably every four or five episodes. Yep. We have some guests lined up too. So we're going to have some yeah. guests as well. Make it happen. Great. Thanks so much, guys. Have a great week. That's a different one. <laughs> <It's> both buttons. <laughs>